All right, it is the Gospel for Life, your favorite morning program. We are back, so there's no reason to despair. We are here this morning for you on your way to work or listening on the podcast. Around the table today, we have Pastor Jonathan Van Hoogen. I think from from Dayspring Reformed Church. Sorry, I think <laughs> I think Pastor Russ will be stepping back in at some point, but but we'll see. He's just an empty chair. Right yeah, now. he's just an empty chair right now. He's he's <laughs> empty in our hearts right now. Uh, I'm Josh Bales from the Well Church in Boise, and then guest host today, Pastor Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Church. Yes, something like that. Perfect. RPC. RPC. Right. Yep. So we've been talking about um, the doctrine of sin. And um, I got to say, just as I guess a kind of a personal autobiography, I've been a Christian pretty much my whole life, believed in sin, believed that um, I was guilty before God, came came to know the Savior through His sovereign free grace. Um, But I didn't realize that there's a difference within evangelicalism about how we view the doctrine of sin. I came to the the reformed understanding um, of the faith around 2008-ish, 2009-ish, and I remember sitting, reading Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 12, um, that there was um, no one righteous, no, not one. There's no one who understands God. Um, there's no one who does good. There's not even one. And God's Spirit was moving upon me in that exact moment. And I'd read that verse a hundred times. Yeah. And I and it hit me for the first time that, oh, that meant that I didn't seek after God, that I didn't do good, that I wasn't righteous, that I didn't understand God, that God actually had to initiate this relationship with me mm-hmm. because I would have been running away in the exact opposite direction. Mm-hmm. That's a, a, a pretty different – can you guys explain the, the how, how the Reformed doctrine of sin is different from – kind of the Arminian understanding of it. One way to look at it is, I think the common view among evangelicalism is that, yes, man is sinful. And I think we would all agree with that. But maybe this is oversimplification, but there's like a an element of God's grace that he has given to all men to have the capacity to choose him in some form, like almost like a little seed of goodness or something like that. Um, but what the Reformed view has is, I think, what we find in Scripture in verses like Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Um, in you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world and the prince of power of the air. So the Bible repeatedly describes us as dead, and um, that's the level of corruption that we have and so that's not just poetic so, language so right it's just we're we are spiritually Sorry. dead we yeah. can't choose god just as a dead body can't just all of a sudden get up or have the capacity to get up it takes god's miraculous work to resurrect so in the words of the prince's bride we're not just mostly dead. Mostly dead. We're okay. all we dead. Are so, dead. So is that, is that maybe a good, I mean, it, it's funny, but is that maybe a good way to, to describe the kind of two uh, camps in evangelicalism? Yes. One, right. one camp views us as mostly dead, and one camp, the reform camp, views us as all dead. Yes. One, one picture I, I think is good, too, is like the one camp would view us as kind of like on our deathbed. But there's like, like a medicine right. that we can take. We just yeah. have to reach for it. Mm-hmm. But um, whereas the reform view views us as no, we're we're in the coffin and we're buried underground, and we need God to dig us up. And 
Resurrect as us. Russ mentioned the other day, when we're talking about total depravity and how sin has affected all of us, it has given us total inability, right. total inability to do anything savingly for ourselves. And that what we do receive from God, we receive with the empty hand of grace. You know, it's the only thing that we've contributed to the salvation that we need is our sin. Right. We contribute our sin. God has given us a Savior in Jesus Christ. And this is one of the, one of the reasons why, in order for us, for us to live and die in the comfort of knowing uh, Him, we have to know how great our sin and misery were in the first place. Yeah. You know, the, you know because if we, don't, if we don't acknowledge our sinfulness, uh, we will never see the glory of God's salvation. Spurgeon said, he yeah. who thinks lightly of his sin thinks lightly of his Savior. Right. Exactly. So, so the three ways. So we, you talked the other day about our faculties being affected by sin. So our mind, our heart, and our will. So our mind. Um, the scripture says there is um, no one who understands. I just quoted mm-hmm. that verse from right. Romans three. Or mm-hmm. it says in First um, Corinthians two fourteen that the natural man does not understand mm-hmm. um, the things of God, for they are spiritually discerned. They are foolishness to him. So Mm -hmm. the natural man, the person who is still in his sin, he looks at the Bible, he looks at the gospel, and he says, that's stupid. Mm -hmm. But it also affects his heart. Um, The natural man who's who's not saved, he actually hates God and he loves wickedness. In John chapter 3, it says that this is the judgment, um, that light has come into the world. And um, that it, it uh, that man has rejected the light because his deeds were evil. He loves the darkness more than the light. So Jesus said this in John 15, that the world hates him. I remember when I first told this to my dad when we were kind of mm-hmm. going back and forth, and I said, Dad, sinners hate God. Like every sinner hates mm-hmm. God. And he thought that was so incredibly offensive. And it is, mm-hmm. right, that, mm-hmm. that we would – you know, affirm that the the natural man hates who God is. Mm-hmm. Is there justification for that in Scripture? You guys think most most definitely. I mean, the the and the Heidelberg Catechism, which makes a summary of 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 Scripture, you know, ask if we can keep the law of God perfectly, and and the answer is no, in no way, because I'm prone by nature to hate God and my neighbor. Uh, you know, I actually am living for myself rather than for God or my neighbor. Right. That's 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 the natural inclination. What's in it for me? Yeah. Um, everybody has that because we have this inclination toward uh, our own pride and sinfulness. Yep. So then, the last you mentioned inclination, the last faculty of the of the soul is the will. Mm-hmm. And Romans eight says that the the man in the flesh cannot please God. Um, it says he will not please God. In fact, he cannot please God. So there's an ability there. The word can deals with ability. The the unsaved person can't just simply wake up one morning and say, you know, I think I'm going to believe in God today. I think I'm going to follow Jesus Christ today. I think I'm going to mm-hmm. obey the Bible today. That's, that's never in his purview. He never wants that. He never desires that. Mm-hmm. And that's... Um, mm-hmm. So when I came to this understanding back in 2008-ish, this rocked my world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you guys are way – well, actually, we're the same age, but you're way older than me. I've been reformed longer. <laughs> Maybe you don't remember. I mean, did, when, when you um, – when, when the doctrines of grace grabbed a hold of you, did this doctrine rock your world? Well, yes, the doctrines of grace did. You know, the, the, the free gift did. The fact that I wasn't just smarter than somebody else and chose Christ 
rock my world, or that I wasn't luckier than somebody else because I was born into a Christian family and I got to hear these things. That, That rocked my world, the fact that God had to choose me, and actually it brought great comfort because I... I really literally did know I was a sinner. I could not live the way um, what was required by God's word to live. I needed a savior. Well, this is what the law of God does. It shows us our need for a savior. Right. And and Paul says, I wouldn't have known the law. I, I wouldn't have known the law except, uh, you, know, through, you know, I wouldn't have known those things except it said, thou shalt not covet. Right. And then I realized I was covetousness. I was covet. I mm-hmm. would covet. And then I knew I was a sinner. Yeah. And I think what it comes down to is we need, it's a lack of understanding of the, the as we mentioned before already, the depravity of, and the, the sinfulness of our nature and who we actually are. Uh, yeah. Ezekiel, in Ezekiel 36, verse 26, God says, I will give you a new heart and put a new, a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and will keep my judgments and do them. There has to be, God has to completely change our nature and who we are. And I think one of the things that uh, when we think about, and that seems kind of offensive to us, is that we are trying to claim for ourselves an attribute that, if we really think about it, that God himself does not have. Um, God does not do things contrary to his nature. Yeah. And he and we also cannot do things that are contrary to our nature. Mm-hmm. And if we are sin sinful, we need a new nature. We need a new heart. And that's what God does in his grace and enables us to hear the gospel and to believe it. Yeah. You know, the um the miracles that we see in the gospels, um, they're not just like these showy things that Jesus does to to show that he's omnipotent or all wise. They're actually illustrations. They're gospel illustrations. Mm-hmm. So in each one of the miracles, when he when he heals somebody who's sick or heals somebody who's blind or or raises the dead, that's actually a, a na- analogous to what happens to us. Um, Mm-hmm. When, when we're saved. So, for instance, like the raising of Lazarus, this is a perfect example of what we're saying about being dead in sin. Lazarus was dead, um, physically dead, mm-hmm. and it's a picture of us being dead in our sin. And we know the analogy is right there because Jesus says to, to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He's talking mm-hmm. about uh, what he does in the gospel. Mm-hmm. So, what does he do to Lazarus? He goes to the tomb and he says, uh, Lazarus, come forth. And, and somebody said, you know, wittily at one point, uh, he had to specify Lazarus, otherwise everybody would, would be raised out of the grave, right? Um, well, I mean, Lazarus had no ability to, to raise himself from the dead. It had to be a miracle. And that is, um, that what is what must happen to us in order to get saved. We're dead. That's not poetic language. Yeah. It's, it's, it's descriptive. It's right. very important. It's very important. Uh, you know, in fact, uh, you know, there's an illustration in Ezekiel, uh, the valley of these dry bones, right. and brings, the Lord brings them out there and, and, and says, can these bones live? <laughs> and, and, and the right answer is, Lord, you know, right. <laughs> you know because it's not up to us. There's a, there's a, you know, I think about being dead in our trespasses and sin. I think of this far side car- cartoon. It's, it's the Acme salesman uh, that's standing outside of a cemetery at the gate knocking, and some ghoul comes out and goes, 
we're dead. <laughs> we, we can't buy anything. We can't. Burn. There's nothing we can do. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Okay, so we have a couple minutes. So if, if somebody's listening to this program and they say something like, well, it sounds like you're denying free will then. I mean, where does our free will come in if we can't choose God? How would you guys answer that? Well, our uh, our will is what keeps us in our sin, actually, and mm-hmm. that we, we are following our will, following by nature that will. And, and actually, um, without regeneration, without the changing of the heart um, by God, so that we begin to think his thoughts after him, we cannot even follow the thought of God. As you mentioned, you know, the spiritual things are spiritually discerned. This is a, this is a spiritual matter. God has to change that discernment so that we begin to think about sin the same way he thinks about sin mm-hmm. and also about our salvation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, just uh, pretty much echo that of we would be incapable of choosing God um, if God did not first act. Yeah. Because we, again, we can't do things that are contrary to, you know, when, when we God's sin. God's not holding yeah. us out of heaven. No, we're, he's not. we're not even knocking on the door. We don't, right, we, we, don't, don't, we, don't, we, don't, we don't even want the door. Right. And, we, uh, we love him because he first loved us. That's right. I mean, that, it, he's always previous in this matter. That's right. Yep. The um, well, maybe I'll well, Johnny Cash has a song with you two, you two, and in one Bono. of the Bono and all that stuff, and in one of the verses he says there, are, you know, church people sitting inside the church and they want the kingdom, but they don't want God in it, mm-hmm. and I think that's a summary of who we are in our very yeah. nature. We want the kingdom, but not the king. Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. Just to remind you of our conference coming up October 21st and 22nd, Uh, Dr. Joel Beakey, Dr. Derek Thomas, it's Reformation Boise. Go to ReformationBoise.com and you can register for free. This has been the Gospel for Life. We'll see you next time. 